This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Timotu, NPR. Christmas story. Ellie stood in her apartment and beamed. Two months ago she had arrived and she loved it. Compared to her recent university digs, this was heaven. The entire top floor of a huge Victorian four-storey semi and at a price she could afford. Christmas was going to be so much fun. Okay, the furniture was old and a bit musty. But given the size of the rooms and that it overlooked the park across the road, it was amazing. Too good to be true? No, she knew why it was still being advertised for a single professional lady when she found it. Clutter that filled every room below her and a tired smell that would put off many prospective tenants. But to Ellie, it filled her with memories of granny and childhood treats. Elderly bowed, but still sharp, Mrs Kramer even looked a little bit like Granny. Her only complaint or wish was that Mrs Kramer didn't move around or talk so loudly to herself, and so late at night. Three weeks later, and the grey skies, gusting winds and dry leaves swirling round her boots were almost the last straw. She was exhausted as she trudged down the steps of the grand old house. Even the lovely park opposite that she walked through on her way to work had lost its appeal. Obviously an old graveyard, she'd enjoyed the tranquility and the amazing words and phrases of remembrance written on the horizontal headstones. She loved the flat and her dear old landlady, who talked to Ellie of the joy of not being alone this Christmas. She shook her head. She was beginning to doubt she could stay even that short time. The night noises, the moving of furniture and the frequent despairing cries of Where is it? Where have I put it? had taken a much more sinister and worrying turn the previous night. Ellie had mentioned the noise to her previously, but the old lady just seemed to ignore her request to be quieter at night. How crazy that she was complaining on a regular basis to her elderly landlady about the noise. But last night was different, so different. Ellie had been woken suddenly last night again. She had no idea what made her start. She was more than cold, though, not half asleep and annoyed at the noise as on previous nights. She felt frightened. It was as if there was a presence, something or someone, in the living room. She looked through the bedroom doorway. The streetlights were clearly playing tricks with her eyes because she thought she saw something moving in her lounge. She was suddenly fully awake. In the chair, in the chair by the old mantelpiece, she started to make out a figure dressed in old clothes, Victorian, frills and a long dress. It took more shape, and terror stilling her very breath, she realised it was a young woman, head in hands, weeping and wringing the handkerchiefs that had been to her eyes and then the words she had heard so often. What have I done with it? How could I lose it as well as you? And then the figure. An apparition? 
She'd been too frightened to call out. She just stared, heart pounding, gripping the bedsheets. Then, just as suddenly, it had started to fade and disappear. Ellie's eyes were rooted to the spot. She gripped the sheets for who knows how long, terrified to move, yet fearful of staying. Without thinking, she suddenly lunged for the light switch and bathed in the half light. She saw nothing, just the lounge with the furniture and her own few possessions. A ghost. There was no doubting it. She had just seen a ghost. It had been too real to be a trick of the lights, not with the accompanying voice and noises. This was real. But how could she tell anyone what she'd seen and not be signing her own passport into a clinic for the disturbed? The next morning, though, she woke up and knew immediately what she had to do. A short and stilted conversation with her boss claiming a tummy upset was followed by a gentle confrontation with Mrs Kramer. She wasn't sure what would happen, but something told her she had to risk losing the flat and find out what was really happening. They sat in the old lady's lounge over a cup of tea. Ellie's questions had been met with quiet tears. Tears of a burden carried alone for many years. Tears of worry about what to do. But also tears of relief that it was at last out in the open. She'd explained that it had started after her husband Cyril had passed on. The noises, the voices had initially terrified her and then they'd just become part of her life. She'd never wanted to move, but the nights had been awful. And then, quite suddenly, five years ago, they'd stopped, and she'd relished the undisturbed nights. Now, she sighed, it had started all over again. She didn't think Ellie was in any danger, even though the noises were getting worse. She looked up quickly. She was sure Ellie was safe. The top floor, she explained, had been her maiden aunt's home. She had lost her fiancé in World War I, but the loss a few years later of the locket he had given to her on the very day he had left for France, a locket that contained the only picture she possessed of him, had proved too much for her. His own relatives had put away his photographs, had been too much to look at daily and could not be found. Without the photograph, that reminder of happier times, there followed a quiet and infinitely sad life for her aunt. A life, though, of constantly checking drawers and floors and clothing again and again. She had truly died of a broken heart and mind many years ago. In fact, the anniversary would be in five days' time, the week before Christmas. The rooms had remained unused until Ellie's arrival, who, she reflected with a sad smile, had brought a light and a gaiety that had been absent from the house for so many years. She had thought it safe at last to let the rooms. She took Ellie's hand, in a voice full of sadness said she understood if she wanted to go, and how truly sorry she was that Ellie had become involved. For some time after she returned to her own rooms, Ellie sat pondering. No, things as they stood could not continue. Not her problem. She would go. She needed sleep and relaxation, not exhaustion and terror in equal measure. But to give up so easily. She adored the flat and dear Mrs Kramer. She knew time was pressing as the following nights became increasingly disturbed. 
the ghostly form of the aunt, appearing nightly, but now wandering around the living room, searching as well as sitting weeping. It was becoming more intense, the searching more frantic, the words angry as well as despairing, the atmosphere colder and even frightening. And then, on the third morning, after she had spoken to Mrs. Kramer, exhausted but suddenly determined, she had an idea. Too silly to say out loud, but a solution. Ellie had no difficulty in returning to the subject with Mrs. Kramer later that day. Yes, she knew the fiancé's name and was even able to show Ellie a letter he had written to the aunt, addressed from the family home. The following day, she formed a plan. From the address, she traced the family, which had remained local. A family tree grew and from the tree, a living relative, an address and a phone number. Luck was with her for a kindly voice answered at a guess of Mrs. Kramer's era. And yes, mementos were kept. Indeed, mementos recently discovered that she believed were mislaid at the time of his loss. And yes, her grandson could send her a copy of the late Lieutenant Briggs photo by email. That night, at Ellie's request, Mrs. Kramer joined her for tea. There, Ellie explained what she had done and what she proposed. Initially reluctant... She eventually relented under Ellie's gentle but insistent persuasion. It was 10pm when they gathered in Ellie's room. Conversation quickly dragged as they waited in nervous silence, retreating to Ellie's bedroom where together they sat on the bed and waited. It proved a long and tense night, both with drooping heads despite the anxiety, watching the living room and the mantelpiece in the light of the ancient streetlights. Then it started. They both became aware of the cold intensifying, creeping in and around them. Then the noises from the lounge. They gripped each other's hands, not daring to speak, straining their ears. The noise became clearer. Words, muttered words. Then the sounds of drawers opening and closing, though no such chests were in the living room. Ellie turned to Mrs Kramer and shrugged. It made no sense. They started. A figure moving across the lounge, the same figure as before. She felt Mrs Kramer start at the sight of her and heard her whisper, a quiet one of despair. It was her. It was her aunt, Helena. Silently, the figure turned towards them, but not seeing them somehow. Angry in posture, she cried out, fist clenched. Where is it? Throwing her hands up to her face, anger turned to sobs, heart-wrenching sobs of a lifetime of despair. She felt Mrs Kramer shiver beside her, her breath short and frightened. She felt her own terror rising, uncertainty and fear over what she was seeing and what could happen next. Combined with this, a quiet horror at the intensity of the grief being revealed to her. The figure looked around again, then stopped to face the mantelpiece. A gasp! She stood stock still, in silence as the photograph was seen. A photograph in fading black and white of a young, handsome man in his uniform there in a frame that had formerly been owned by Mrs Kramer's aunt. The frame and photograph Ellie had put there earlier. The figure moved quickly to the picture, her hand tentatively stretched out, tracing the outline of the soldier's face. Again there were tears, but tears of disbelief, of reconciliation, of relief. She picked up the frame and held it to her, the weeping now a gentle sob. Ellie watched her, heart thumping, tightly gripping the hand of her elderly companion. She hardly dared breathe. 
Was it her imagination? No, the ghostly figure was fading, gently disappearing, and then was gone. And as she had diminished, so had the cold. Neither had moved. She felt drained. Exhaustion? Relief? She had never felt such a mixture, an intensity of emotion swirling in and around her before. They watched the space, fearful the apparition may return. Then they hugged each other and cried. Eventually, few words spoken, exhausted, they'd gone their separate ways. Ellie had collapsed into bed and slept, an undisturbed and much welcome sleep. She awoke refreshed. She lay there, testing, almost tasting the atmosphere. It felt, well, normal. She stopped as she was getting ready for work. Yes, she felt a contentment. It felt right. She was sure the nights of disturbance, exhaustion and worry had gone and smiled at the thought of the friends coming round and enjoying the celebrations. But then she stopped again and gazed at the mantelpiece, smiled and nodded in understanding. She was right. It would be her home for Christmas and beyond, for the mantelpiece was bare. The photograph and frame had gone. That was The Flat, a short story by Simon Taylor, narrated and recorded by Simon Taylor, broadcast on Manawatu People's Radio, supported by New Zealand On Air. this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.